field. That one's called to the right. Hunter on the move. Racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it. Because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. So don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like Now, to your hosts. Hi, Red Sox fans. Red Sox beat CLNS Media. Of course, the CLNS Media, the leading online provider, excuse me, audio and video coverage of your Boston Red Sox. Of course, all uh, teams around Boston as well. Don't forget on Twitter at CLNS Media. Facebook is CLNS Media as well. We're on Twitter at Red Sox underscore beat. Facebook, Red Sox beat podcast. A lot to get to this week. Uh, No Lauren, if you're watching the video, you can see it's just me and Jess, the old gang, back together, just the two of us. We've done a show, the two of us, in a while. Uh, this is weird. Um, but, Jess, how are you this week, my friend? Good. Didn't think I'd be doing the show because I couldn't do it tomorrow, so we're doing it today. <laughs> yeah, we, we all couldn't do it on Monday, Labor Day. Uh, stuff going on, we we're going to do it today. So Lauren and I were going to do it today, and then last minute, Jess was around, Lauren wasn't, so Jess got to be on the show. There it uh, is. There it is. The good, so, old, the good old days. Um, yeah, so this week, you know, the Red Sox had... Ups and downs, obviously really good against the crappy Toronto team. And wrapping up the Yankee series today on Sunday Night Baseball, I had to turn it off because it got so ugly um, here on, on Sunday night. So tough situation all around. But just before we get into the recap, just your overall thoughts of, yeah, it wasn't a bad week, but it's really tough to swallow when you lose three out of four to the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, you obviously want to take care of business against a bad team in Toronto. And as you, as you watch them play, God, are they bad. They are a really, really, really poor t- team. And uh, you, ever, you never really know it until you see it firsthand, all the errors and bad baseball. And and the Red Sox are really good against them this year, which is good because they're playing them a lot more. So that was obviously encouraging, especially on the road. But then you go home and you're about to lose three out of four to the Yankees as we record here, uh, barring an eight-run comeback. Um, so, yeah. It's frustrating. You want to stay ahead of the Yankees. You want to take a split like me and Lauren predicted. And, you know, you'd stay four and a half up. And as a result, it's going to be a little bit closer and it'll make it a little more interesting. So, but I mean, it's, it's happened all year. The Sox had trouble with the Yankees all year long. Yep. And this, this is, this is the last time they're going to face them uh, in the regular season. So obviously if they do get to the playoffs and they play them there, then great. We'll deal with it. But uh, this is the last time they'll see them throughout September and into the, and the, into the end of the regular season. So, uh, important games throughout the rest of the year, obviously, for the Red Sox, but they don't have to worry about the Yankees. They still control their own destiny if they just win, uh, and they keep playing their baseball games. They'll be okay. I think they win the division still. Uh, we're going to talk a lot tonight about uh, certain aspects of the team. Chris Sale, Doug Fister, a lot going on, but um, I do personally want to say now, I, I still think they win the division. But uh, Do you see that stat that this is the earliest that the Sox are done with the Yankees in the regular season in, like, 22 years? I'm not surprised by it. I mean, it's just turned over into September and we're talking about them being done with the Yankees. Like usually they either finish the year with the Yankees or it's like the next to last series. But this year they finish with Houston, uh, which could be, you know, important for certain things if they win out, if they do well. But now Cleveland's chasing Houston for the top spot too because Cleveland's been on a tear. Are they um, ever? My God. So it's ridiculous. Um, and look, they're obviously a really good team. We thought they are going to be up there beginning of the year. So no surprise that they're finally figuring it out come September. But 
I'm surprised. You know, it's weird that the Yankees aren't going to be here um, throughout the rest of the year, but that's okay because clearly we have an issue. So, um, just yeah, I'm fine with that. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> I'm really okay with it. Um, just take us through the week now. Let's let's do this because obviously uh, Toronto, three games against them. Man, it was ugly, and and obviously against the Yankees. So, uh, what what happened? Let's let's start with that Toronto series and break it down. Yeah, so starting on Monday, obviously this game happened as of last show, but we didn't really talk about it much because it was we were focusing on the week before. Uh, game one was a Red Sox six to five win over the Blue Jays. Uh, this one was the Christian Vasquez show. He was four for four with two RBI. Uh, I mean, it was a lot of people's show. The Sox had five guys with two or more hits, including Vasquez with his four. Um, this game was Drew Pomerantz against Marcus Stroman, so a good matchup. You know, two of the better pitchers in the league, mm-hmm. uh, and, they, and they lived up to it. And Pomerantz gave up three runs in six innings. Stroman gave up two earned, two runs, one earned in six innings. So they they definitely lived up to the billing. Uh, the Blue Jays actually got up in the first. Kendrys Morales hit a two RBI double, make it two to nothing. But then the Sox climbed back against Stroman. Uh, they scored an error, and then Eduardo Nunez hit another home run in the third inning to tie it at two. And then the Jays got back up 3-2 in the fourth. But then Vasquez took over. He had a go-ahead two-run homer and make it 4-3 in the seventh. And then Moreland got an RBI single to make it 5-3. And then Bogarts walked with the bases loaded to make it 6-3. Uh, pretty comfortable lead there until Craig Kimbrell, who is normally lights out. He came in and actually gave up two walks and a two-run homer to Justin Smoke, who, as I always like to say, Smoking the ball this year. <laughs> you punny, punny man. You God. <laughs> yeah. 36 homers this year with that for Smoke. So he made it 6-5. to five. Fortunately, Kimberly didn't go up anymore and squeaked out the 6-5 to five win. But obviously the Sox were in control um, from the seventh inning on when they got those runs. 12 hits in the game. Like I said, a lot of hits for a lot of people. Uh, and, I mean, I guess the story is Pomerantz. Obviously, he got a loss later in the week. But he had five walks and seven hits in this game. But has been the case with Pomerantz all year long. He's always gotten out of damage, which is obviously going to be key for the playoffs because if you can get out of damage in the playoffs, you're going to be in good shape. Yeah, another key component, too, to this game was Vasquez. Um, just He's sure. been hitting the crap out of the ball lately, and I just love when he hits a home run. He's like five this year, whatever it may be now, and he just pimps him every time he hits one. He acts like he hits like 30 balls. He actually he hits like he ha- hits him like he hits him all the time. Like he just when he hits him, he cranks him and then just leaves his bat out there and just flaunts it. And I love it. I don't even care if he only hit four in the year. It's great. But no, Pomeranz, look, um there's no doubt in my mind now coming into, you know, September, playoff push here, into the playoffs, he's your number two unless someone else takes it from him. Um as much as Sale's been struggling as of late, and I want to talk a little bit more about that as for the recap as well. But obviously Chris Taylor is your ace, there's no question about that. But after that, just I mean, who would you rather give the ball to? At this point it has to be Pomeranz. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was last year you'd say Porcello because he won Cy Young, but you got to trust Pomerantz more than Porcello currently. I mm-hmm. mean, Porcello could turn it around in the last month and have a great end of the season, and you could trust him, and that may very well happen. But, I mean, at the moment, you know, Erod has too many bad innings. I mean, Fister obviously has been pitching great, and we'll talk about that, yeah. and you may trust him, but you'd probably still trust Pomerantz over him because of how many wins he has and how you know, good his ERA is, so... Yeah, good to see. I mean, getting out of danger is, is, is the way to do it. So they've gone, Pomerantz and Sale have gone about their wins in very different ways. Sale, you know, all business, quick innings, no messing around. Pomerantz, a lot more jams, but he gets out of them. So yeah. however you get the wins, right, however you lower that ERA, fine with me. Um, so that brings us into Tuesday's game. 
and this was the actual game that Sales pitched well in over the last several starts because he hasn't been pitching very well in the last four or five starts. He did in this one. You give him a bad Blue Jays team, and oh my god, did he eat them alive. <laughs> he pitched seven innings, three hits, no runs, no walks, 11 strikeouts. It's the recipe so, he needed to be successful. Oh, yeah, he's been struggling lately oh, yeah. to come into this game. So This allowed him to just forget about his seven runs against the Indians, his three in- innings of work. He just went out there and did his thing, dropped his ERA, got his 15th win, struck out 11 Blue Jays. It was a joy to watch. And on offense, uh, actually nobody scored in this game until the sixth. Um, Brett Anderson pitched for the Blue Jays, and he was actually really good. He's had a long career. He's been injured a lot, but he came up for AAA for this game, and he was very good. Only gave up one run in five and two-thirds. That run was an Eduardo Nunez double to drive in Rajay Davis. That made it one nothing. Then Haley Ramirez decided to hit a home run to make it 2 nothing, And then Ben Tendi had an RBI single in the eighth to make it 3 to nothing. I guess the key to this one was um, Hanley was hitting seventh in this game. Farrell dropped him down in the order because he sucks. And uh, he, he decided to pay him off, hit his 20th home run in this game. And yep. we'll get to more of him uh, later in the week. But this game was, I mean, yeah, a couple of runs, 3 nothing. But this game was all about sale. Seven innings, 11 Ks. Yeah, it, it's, and it's a sale game where he's coming off the Indian situation. So he needs something like this to help the motivation. I don't care if it's against Toronto. He needs he could have done this against anyone. It would have made me feel better. Um, so you need to start like this. He, he looked like he was in control. Obviously tonight we'll talk, we'll get to it. It didn't look too great tonight, but you come to the situation where you watch this game and you're almost mad. You were only, you, you had no runs in the, the sixth inning. Like you're like, what the heck? This guy is lighting it up against a crap team. Score some runs. Thankfully they won this game uh, because if they couldn't win for him against Toronto, then they have, there was no hope the rest of the way, but um, they figured it out. Sale pitched really great, so it was nice to see him at least have some form uh, of consistency throughout this game and, and move on to the next one. Yep, and that next one was also against the Jays, the final game of the three-game set in Toronto, and this one was a good one, a 7-1 to one victory. Rick Porcello versus J.A. Happ, and uh, actually both starters pitched well in this game too. It wasn't until later where the score got bigger. Uh, Porcello gave up six hits, one run, two walks, seven Ks, and six and two-thirds innings. Pat gave up four hits, one run also, four walks, two Ks, and six innings. So they both pitched really well. Uh, Rafi Lopez had the Blue Jays' only run with a solo home run off Porcello in the third. Yep. Uh, and, then, and then the Sox didn't score again until at all until the fifth. And then Hanley hit another home run, his second in as many days, to tie it at one. And then Mitch Moreland pinch hit in the seventh inning. For Chris Young, hit a two-run homer go-ahead to make it three to one. Mitchie four then, bags. Yeah, seriously, Mitchie pinch hit bags. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> and then after Betts and Bogarts exchanged doubles to drive in runs in the eighth to make it five to one, Moreland came up in the eighth again, hit a two RBI single this time to make it seven to one. Most of those runs were off Tom Mesa, who gave up four runs on two hits and two walks and got zero outs. He was real bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of those were inherited runs. Um, but Mitch Moreland was two for two with four RBI, and he didn't play before the seventh inning. Yeah. That's impressive. That's he, hard to do. He's been lights off off the bench. Every time he comes in to pinch hit, he's been phenomenal. And this is no exception. Obviously, having doing that in that amount of time is ridiculous, and it's it's not easy to yeah. do because you typically don't get that kind of opportunity anyway. Like you get like maybe one at bat in that situation, maybe two uh, to do what he did. That's phenomenal. 
especially the game was tied at one when he came in. Six runs later, two at bats later. It's awesome. And they, I mean, they said in the broadcast, and it was all over Twitter, he is the best pinch hitter in baseball since 2014. That, that's crazy. That's yeah. And when I heard that, I was like, "Wait, okay, that makes sense now." Because he's <laughs> know, he must do something crazy at, uh, under under the uh, in the batting cages or whatever it is. But you know, when he pinch hits, he's still ready yeah. to go. He stays prepared. Clearly, you got to to be able to do that. And the other thing from this game, obviously, Rick Porcello. Yeah, I know the Blue Jays aren't a good offense. Great, but when you've had an up and down season like he has, to get any kind of good outing against anybody is a good sign. And giving up one run in six and two thirds. Always encouraging. Yeah, and I, like you said, I don't care who it is, um, especially where Porcello's been up and down this year, to have him pitch the way he did against his team. You know, the Blue Jays are bad, but they do still have some power in their offense. They do still have some potential to that lineup. They just haven't really played well oh, this yeah. year. So th- it's not as bad on paper as it is, like, record-wise what they've been this year. So um, it's still something to, to, to kind of smile about, seeing Porcello pitch the way he did in this game. Yeah, they still got Smoke, Batista. They got some hard run hitters still. And people are automatically like, oh, whatever. They're a bad team. Not impressed. Okay. The team's bad, but they still got some power. (laughs) Yeah. They're still a major league team. And and guess what? Rick Porcel is the guy in the lineup who always gives up the stupid homer. So, it's it's impressive. (laughs) That's right. You tell him, Jared. Yeah. Screw all y'all. Yeah. Screw all (laughs) y'all. So, that was a sweep. That was great. Uh, We all got it wrong. We all picked two out of three. We didn't want to give the uh, the full sweep. and, And the Sox said, screw you three. We're sweeping them. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay with it too. So that takes us into the Yankees series. It started on Thursday, and the first one was a 6-2 loss. It was Eduardo Rodriguez against CC Sabathia. Sabathia was good. Erod was not. Um, Sabathia's 4-0 against the Sox this year, which is crazy. <laughs> he's 37 years old, and he's 4-0 against one team. Just against That's the Red Sox. Yeah, just against the Red Sox. Yeah, he's he's had a good year, but he's been exceptionally good against Boston. In this game, he gave he gave five walks and still only one run, which is doesn't say much for the Red Sox. It was Strand City, so many so many men left on base, twelve in all. Uh, Erod gave up ten hits and five runs in five innings, which is obviously not good. And it kind of all blew up on him at once. I mean, the game was was uh, tied at one going into the fifth inning. Gary Sanchez at home run off of Erod, but other than that, it was one to one. And then Sanchez hit an RBI single in the fifth to make it two to one, and then the sixth just Erod just blew it big time. He gave up a uh, double to Chase Headley. Greg Bird hit a two run homer to make it four to one, and then Gregorius got an RBI single as well to make it five to one. Erod didn't even get an out in the inning, and you know five to one's hard to come back from. The final ended up being six two. Dylan Batances came in and decided to hit and walk everybody and somehow get out of it barely without blowing it. The Sox have the bases loaded in the ninth with two outs. And Moreland, pinch hitting again. He got out that time, unfortunately. Right. Do it every time. <laughs> nope. <laughs> but, so it was a 6-2 loss. 14 hits for the Yankees, only four for the Red Sox. So if, if you want to look at it, hits, obviously the Yankees deserve to win. They, actually, they, had, they had eight walks, which is a ton of walks, but couldn't do anything with it. Just couldn't score any runs. Um, and then, I <laughs> the bigger thing in this game than... Uh, the the loss obviously the loss is important too, but it was Eduardo Nunez bunted in the first inning off Sabathia testing his bad knees, and after the game Sabathia just went nuts and said, well he didn't go nuts, but he got all pouty and he was like, that's weak. It shows what kind of organization they are bunting. All right, Cece, it's baseball. 
no one's going to be like, sorry, sir. We're not going to bunt on you because you have bad knees. That's when you do it. That's yeah, that's, you what, that's when you're supposed to do it. You should, whatever weakness you have. Like, the point of putting strategies together, game plans together is, oh, this person has a weakness at this point. Let's exploit that weakness. If, I'm, if you're good at fielding my ball, I'm not going to, like, just hit the crap out of it and hope you you don't field it. If you can't get to the ball, I'm going to bunt it. Like, CC Sabathia, you pitched well. You, you won. Calm down. And it started whatever. It, it became bunt gate for, like, two days. And it right. was and it was just something where you look at CC and stop whining and complaining. And I love Jerry. Um, was Jerry Rice? Is that who, who, uh, Jim Rice. Oh, I thought I thought he said something too, but Jim Rice did say something. He was on, um, and he said something about it. He was pissed. And he was he was ripped. really pissed. He was like, <laughs> "What are you talking about? Just get over yourself." I'm like, "Lose like, some weight, lose some, some weight, eat some burgers, <laughs> and do that." I'm like, "This is great. This is phenomenal. This is the one thing that's going to turn this this stupid rivalry around." Uh, it's going to be over a bunt on CC Sabathia, but look, CC Sabathia, get over yourself, figure it out. Yeah, you're pitching well against the Red Sox. If you have bad knees, I'd bunt on you too. It was great, and he made an error on the play, and Nunez was safe, so yep. it worked. It worked. Yeah, he did, he did exactly what he was trying to do. He was trying to. He was trying yep. to like overcompensate. He's like, well, yeah, I mean, he, you, I know I missed it, but you shouldn't do it anyway. It's like, why shouldn't he do right. it? Screw you. You shouldn't. You shouldn't bunt in the first inning because that's that's weak. How are you still playing? Got right, it. you're old with bad knees. Yeah, here I, I want to give you, I want to give you Jim Rice's quote because it was really funny. On the post game show, he said, "Quote: Bunting is part of the game. You try to get on base any way you can. If you tell Sabathia to lose some of that chicken and that donut and that burger weight, then maybe he's like, <laughs> that's what it was. Yeah, that you can feel the baseball. That's just stupid. <laughs> <laughs> lose some of that chicken and that donut and that burger weight. Yes, I love it. It's great. And, it, and the thing is, CC's always been big in his career." And that's where the knees have come from, right? It's just falling apart. His body's crippling on him. Like anyone and their mother would take advantage of that. Like why? You know, in the World Series, why? Why in the ALCS? Why wouldn't you bunt on Kurt Schilling more with the bloody sock? Like it's just right. it's strategy. And if anyone did it back then, you shouldn't have blamed them for if they did it on Kurt Schilling. Same thing now. It's you don't blame the Red Sox for doing it because it's the right thing to do when the guy can't move. Right. If you're not healthy, you shouldn't be pitching. Exactly. If you're pitching. You got to pitch, and you got to do what happens. Yeah, that's that's the yep. game. So, and then to to finish the story up, after Sabathia saw Jim Rice's comments, he called Rice bitter for his comments, which me and a lot of other people found really funny because he's calling someone bitter about that. What was he? He sure sounded bitter after the game talking about what Nunez did. Yeah, he's like calling Jim Rice. Why, bitter? why would Jim Rice be bitter? Like, he, why does he care about? Why would he care about you, CC Sabathia? Like. You were, right. he, he's in the Hall of Fame. He had a historic career. He's calling for the first place Red Sox right now. Like you're, uh, however old you are, man. The bum knees. You can't. You, you're overweight still. I don't know how you haven't lost weight. And you're the one who, who thinks that he's bitter over what you've done. Like, come on, come, grow up. When your comments were bitter themselves. Seriously, make any exactly, sense. exactly. Completely ironic. Yeah, super. It's ridiculous. So that was exciting. Uh, I mean, the loss sucked, but that, that was That was great. the most jacked up I got after a loss, like, in a long time. I was like, this is great. Like, I want to punch a wall right now. Like, this is amazing. Like, I was all fired up, and we lost. And I'm like, oh, well, okay. Guess, guess we should move on to tomorrow. Right. Well, it was a lot of exciting stuff. Bases loaded in the ninth inning, and then Sabathia makes those comments. It was kind of like one after another, you know? Seriously. Yeah, it was. So that was the first loss of the week, unfortunately, uh, which brought us into Friday's game, which was not a loss, which was good. Get back on the winning track and uh, win four out of five. Um, this one was a four to one win. 
Doug Fister versus Sonny Gray, which was a pretty good matchup. Doug Fister got the upper hand. He actually gave up a run in the first inning and Aaron Judge RBI double. As has been the case with Fister, he's pitched really well, but he's had tough first innings. Uh, so if he can overcome that, it's worked out pretty well, which he has. Um, yep. And then the Sox came back, and they ended up hitting three home runs off of Gray, which is great because he really hadn't given up many home runs this year, and he did. Eduardo Nunez hit one in the third inning, a two-run homer, which was obviously fantastic because after the whole bunt gate, to hit a home run right <laughs> afterwards in his second at bat was pretty great. Uh, and Ben Attendee had a home run. And then Hanley Ramirez had a third home run of the week and for the game. Um, and it was a 4-1 to one win there. Doug Fister went seven innings, four hits, one run, five strikeouts. He was dominant after that first inning. Gray gave up the four runs in the seven innings. So that was really a difference in the game. I mean, they both went the same amount of time, but Fister gave up one and Gray gave up three. And, I mean, it's always great for the Sox to hit home runs in games like this because they obviously haven't hit a lot this year. Nope. And to win a game solely on home runs is obviously a good sign. Oh, yeah. And, look, you got to talk about Hanley. It's just this is the time of year where he started to figure it out last year, maybe a little earlier last year, but pretty close to it. And you hope that this week was like a, a spring pad for Hanley because he's been hitting seventh. You know, he's been he's been struggling. And I don't know about you, Jess, but I think I can take, take this week and for more than what it is and, and see maybe this is a spring pad for him. He seems like he's seeing the ball better. He's hitting the ball opposite field um, to hit home runs too. Like he's hitting the ball everywhere, and I think this could be um, a, a good spring pad for Hanley come the rest come September. Yeah, I mean, three home runs in, in four days is obviously what you want. Just the thing with him, why does he have to be so maddening? Why do you need everyone to call you out and say that you suck and that you're terrible because you're hitting 240 with, you know, 49 RBI in a cleanup spot in September? Like, you should be hitting better than that. We need to get him and, a it, shrink. Like, like right. he, he has some mental issues. Like, maybe someone should like, should, like, slap him before the game or, like, something. Just, like, get him pissed off before every game. Like, have John Farrell should, come in there and go, Hanley, you suck. Like, you cannot hit the ball. Like, get over yourself and, or, like, do something. Because clearly when he's mad and he thinks that people are out to get him, he plays better. Yeah, and you shouldn't need that. You shouldn't need no. the reminder every two weeks that you suck and need to hit better to hit better. You should just hit better. No, You're seriously. Is this what Ortiz did? Like, I'm convinced now this is what Ortiz did. I know. Every game... Hanley, Hanley, man, you Hanley, suck. man, you're terrible, dude. Like you suck. Like you're hitting like 300 right now, dude. Why aren't you hitting 350? You have 20 homers last year, dude. You got to be at like 30 by now. You suck, dude. Like <laughs> you got to think there was some friendly like banter between the yeah, two, because like, that's literally it. Because Ortiz is gone, and now he's playing like crap. And if every time the media talk like crap, crap about him, he's doing better. So maybe this is what Ortiz did behind the scenes last year. Right. Nobody told us what he did, but. Right, because his teammates don't seem to be able to do it. It has to be the media. It has to be the fans. Everyone has to start crapping all over him. You know, people get tired of doing that. So, you know, it goes in like two or three week spans. And then, you know, two weeks later, all right, let's crap on Hanley again. Okay, yep. three weeks. Okay, let's crap on Hanley. Oh, he's, he's <laughs> slowing a little bit. I'm going to say, what else can we say about Hanley? Crap. All right, oh. what's, his, what's his batting average now against lefties? It's terrible average. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Hanley, you haven't had an RBI in three weeks. You're like 0 for your last 15 with 12 strikeouts. He's like, oh, that suck, man. Okay, like, let oh, me go hit some runs. He's like, oh, uh, that's not true. That's true. Oh, man. All right, well, you'll see. I, I, it's okay. Go get some RBI, man. <laughs> oh, jeez. I mean, they dropped him to seventh, and then he started doing stuff. So yeah. And the worst part about this was like that after that game, the four one went on the, all the homers. I was like, great, you you've won four out of the fir- like first five of this week. Like you're on the right track. You figured it out against the Yankees. You had that one blip. Great. Come back Saturday. Boom. <laughs> yep. 
five to one loss on Saturday. Um, it was Masahiro Tanaka on the hill for the Yankees against Drew Pomerantz. Um, you know, Tanaka's had a pretty up and down season. He's been better of late. Still, his numbers aren't very good. And obviously, Pomerantz has been good. Uh, and this game was tied at one going into the bottom of the sixth inning. Um, and Matt Holliday hit a three on homer to make it four to one. Gary Sanchez got the other RBI the next inning. So it was really just one pitch, you know, one bad inning for Pomerantz. As opposed to the rest of the season when he got out of jams, this time he couldn't do it. Gave up eight hits, four runs in five and a third innings to get his first loss since June 8th, uh, June 11th, excuse me. That's so ridiculous. <laughs> almost three months since he lost. So no wonder he's 14 and five. So that part's great. Unfortunate timing in this one, and Tanaka was just really good. Seven innings, five hits, one run. Um, and I guess the funny thing from that was that Matt Holliday was babysat by John Farrell 25 years ago. I didn't Everybody's know that. Talking. I didn't even know yeah. that. Yeah. People have been talking about it the last like day or so. He was, yeah, back when he was at like Arizona State. When Farrell was at Arizona State, I guess Holiday's dad was a coach for the team. And Farrell was there, and he babysat Holiday when he was a kid. That's so weird. Yeah, and now he came back and hit a three-run homer off Farrell's team. So they were talking about it on the on the broadcast uh, tonight on the radio broadcast, and they were like, "That's not a very good way to show your gratitude to your babysitter." Yeah, right. Yeah, you really you really didn't like your babysitter, huh? I'm trying to beat him up 25 years later. <laughs> so that was just kind of a funny little thing. But yeah, the game sucked. Five to one loss. Six hits for the Sox. Same thing as always. It's the same case. It's been all 19 games against the Yankees. The Sox cannot score with runners in scoring position they suck they've been so good this year with runners in scoring position against every other team and against the yankees they're hitting like 140 with runners in scoring position they're awful i don't know what it is and i don't have it in front of me but it's got to be it's got to be a big difference between the yankees and like the next team in that list um right they're hitting like they're hitting like 280 against with runners in scoring position against everybody else combined combined yeah so it's just it's really bad against the yankees and you know there's been some opportunities tonight's game too they're losing nine to one right now like there's been opportunity against the Yankees and they just cannot capitalize. And I don't get it because you know, any other team they're converting. Like that's the thing is that they're, they have the opportunities and they're not doing it all the time. And they've had some struggles throughout the year against other teams too. But this has been precedent. And I mean, unprecedented for what the situation normally is. It's usually a 50, 50 split at least. And, I guess it's only fitting for the time the fact that they're not going to play the Yankees the rest of the year and it's so early. Like, just get it all done with and move on. But, like, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, to have it be that different against them than against any other team. Like, you expect averages to average out, and it just hasn't because, obviously, like we said, this is the 19th and final game against the Yankees, and it's they're still hitting, like, 140 with Martin's scoring position, which is terrible. And it's ridiculous. The, the offense just goes to sleep. Like, they got four hits. On Thursday, they got six hits yesterday. They have three hits today. It's like the offense is like nowhere to be found. Oh, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. It's frustrating. So, yeah, this brings us into today's game, Sunday's game. It's 9-1 to currently in the 8th. Obviously, when you listen to the show, it'll be over, and it'll be a loss unless they score eight runs in the ninth inning. Uh, this game turned badly um, in the uh, sixth inning. It was 3-1 to Yankees, and... The Sox seemingly got out of the inning on a ground out to Devers, and he threw to first, and he was called out. Then they checked it on replay review. It was insanely close. They called him safe, and then the Yankees got six runs afterwards. Uh, Gary Sanchez had an RBI single. Starlin Castro had a three-RBI bases-clearing double, 
and then Aaron Judge had a two-run homer to make it nine to one. Of course, Aaron Judge <laughs> run now. One no, seriously, to one, he's been right? like struggling, like all this stuff, and then he, he gets one when there's no pressure. Yeah, it's like, God, oh, you have a seven to one lead. Great. It's like, oh, now Aaron you know my home run. Coward. Lame. Uh, and then Chris Sale started this game. He only went four and a third innings, which is the second shortest start of the year. Two out of the last three games are shortest starts of the year. Seven hits, three runs, two walks, six strikeouts. The numbers don't seem that bad, but all three runs were all three solo home runs. Chase Headley, Matt Holliday, Todd Frazier. Three home runs in two innings, which is not good. And yeah. Sale threw 109 pitches in those four and a third. So it was just, he just didn't have it. He was giving up the long ball, and he didn't go deep into the game. So... You expected to take two out of two out of four once he had Sale on the mound, but he's not been as sharp this month, minus the Toronto game last week. Yeah, so. and and you look at the Toronto game and you go, yeah, whatever, it's a Toronto game. We talked about it, but it's been bad, and I want to get to that in a second. But at the same time, um, this game was something where you know Sunday night baseball. A lot of Red Sox nation doesn't really enjoy watching Sunday night baseball. I know I don't like it. Um, the, the broadcast is meh. But, you know, you look forward to the game and you get excited. You're like, okay, great. You know what? Sales on the mound. Team's still playing well. At least salvage the series. You don't leave it any worse than you came into it and you move forward. And now you're looking at three and a half games as you're leading the division. Like I said, I don't think you're going to lose the division. But five and a half would have been a lot better than three and a half coming into the next week. Yeah, it's a huge difference. Head-to-head games are huge. And when you're going to that last game today... The difference between five and a half and three and a half is huge. And now you don't get another shot at them. Done. Right. That's it. So it's all up to everybody else. It's up to how they play and how we play against everybody else, which is not as concrete as playing them and picking up those games against them. So, yeah, and you're all excited. It was a close game for six innings. And then just one call, you know, one call changes everything. And then, boom, six runs just like that. That up was bad. That was was bad. Terrible umpiring. So many missed calls. Yeah. So that's baseball. Things change in an instant like that. And yeah. as a result, it'll be three and a half games. So three out of four lost to the Yankees. Uh, the Sox are 77 and 60 now. And with the Indians playing like crazy with 11 straight wins and Houston still winning some games, the Sox need to have a, a good week this upcoming week, which obviously we'll get to at the end of the show. But good start to the week, tough finish to the week. Um, MVP, I don't really know. There wasn't a whole lot of good offensive performances this week. Uh, probably Mitch Moreland was the best. Um, and if we want to give it to somebody else, well, actually, I guess Hanley's three home runs. I guess you got to give it to him. But Doug Fister continuing to pitch well. I kind of like him as well. So we'll kind of mention all three of them. But, I mean, hardly an MVP, it's, especially with the Yankee series. There's not much offense. So yeah. we'll, give, we'll give it to Hanley, though. Three Love home it. runs. Hey, hey, worth giving it to. I uh, wanted to ask you before we moved on, Jess. Um, tonight's game. The, the umpiring, obviously bad. You know, a couple of those strike calls when Addison Reed was on the mound in the six, which is a whole other ball game. I actually agreed with them putting Addison Reed in the six. Not a bad decision by any means because they needed to get out of that situation. But those two strike calls that were very, very much strikes that weren't called strikes, um, you saw Sandy Leone pretty much barking at... Uh, who's, do you remember you know the name of the umpire who was back there? Sam Holbrook. Sam Holbrook. Yeah, that's squid. Um, he was barking at Holbrook about the situation. Farrell was yelling at him. And then, obviously, the next pitch after San Leone said something, even more of a strike wasn't called a strike. Do you, you don't blame Sandy Leone at all for saying something, do you? Because you got to think that, that Holbrook's the type of umpire, and he has a history of this, um, who doesn't have a low strike zone, and on top of it is definitely an egotistical type, has an ego, basically, um, when, he's, when he's umpiring. 
Well, yeah, I mean, you can't really blame Sandy. Carl Wells got ejected from the game for complaining from the from the dugout. Yeah, they they thought Farrell got ejected. I actually never saw for sure. I think it was Willis. It definitely Carol was Willis went, because Farrell was yeah. there the horse of the game. Yeah, and he like went out and had a calm conversation with Holbrook. Surprisingly, I'm not sure how, but he got tossed, and uh, yeah, it was him. Yeah, so he got tossed. He just went nuts on the, on the bench when he called what was should have been a strike a ball uh and a lot of people put up the uh the strike zone on twitter and it's it was a strike it was no question about it it was an absolute strike yeah so so yeah i mean i don't i don't mind leon talking to him if if he thinks he's that bad i mean farrell i've willis got ejected farrell went out there it's obviously leon's not the only one to think that so i got no problem with that i know that catchers usually kind of keep that stuff on the down low but if you're that bad yeah, I guess you deserve to be called out, right? <laughs> it was it was, it was really bad, and I look at that situation, and that's the type of, that's the type of call that changes games, right? If that if those are called strikes like they're supposed to, Reed gets out of that probably, and now you're looking at a four one game still, and it's still doable. And then after that, you know, I have to, you know, you have to, if you're Addison Reed, you have to have composure. Yeah, you, you give up a run um, because that the play that got overturned uh, when um, who was crap who hit that single i don't remember San- uh, sanchez. sanchez sanchez that's who it was uh when he hit that sing- when, when he hit that single who should have struck out hits the infield single um devers made a heck of an attempt to make that play uh was safe though and so then close. spiraled out of control after that as to read you got to be a little more head you got to headstrong you got to be a little more composed in that situation he made a couple bad pitches judge hits the homer you know everything kind of fell apart after that but at the same time those two strikes make a huge difference yeah, I mean, it's tough with pitching because it's like you obviously you want to stay composed and everything, but at the same time, how can you not get angry when you're throwing good pitches and they're not paying you off for it? You know, it's like yeah. I can see why they get angry. I know you need to keep your composure, but it's like if you're sitting there throwing strikes and you're not getting the calls, wouldn't you get angry? I'd get angry. Oh, you'd get angry too. <laughs> and, like, and like coming from a guy, and I hate, and I hate when people say this. I'm gonna huge caveat. I did pitch in high school. I hate when people use this as the thing or anytime else they talk about it. But when you get a bad call, it's hard to chew it off. It's hard to just put it aside because you, you felt you felt slighted when you feel like you made a good pitch, especially as a pitcher. You know, it's a craft. It's a, you work on it for a long time, uh, especially at a guy at that magnitude. Aston Reed's a phenomenal pitcher. And when you get slighted like that, especially with a catcher like Sandy, who, you know, is not Vasquez, but can frame the ball, you know, sold it really well. It was, it was in the strike zone. To not get a call like that is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, that's what you work for. You work to get strikes. Yeah. You work to get outs. And when the umpire decides to screw you over, you. of course you're going to get angry. It's, Awful. Yeah. It was ridiculous. I know, they're ma- I know they're major leaguers, but it's, you know, they're humans too. It's so. still ridiculous. But um, that being said, could have been a lot better, even if after that play, Addison Reed did, threw up some meatballs after that. But uh, that being said, tough week uh, after the Blue Jays series. Yankees come go to the go to the Bronx and take three out of four from the Red Sox, pending the end of this game tonight, which will probably be over by the time we finish recording anyway. So um, yeah. there's Jess's recap, of course, brought to you our good friends at FanDuel. Guys, it's this week. Football is finally back uh, next Sunday or this upcoming Sunday. The wait is finally over. Fantasy football for everyday fans. Check out FanDuel. 
Uh, new contests starting every week. No busted seasons and some injuries. Maybe you drafted Julian Edelman super early. You had to waste a pick on him. Uh, now you can draft every week and just starting at $1. You can just pick a contest, choose your team, and watch your score real time. Um, I'm on FanDuel. Jess is on FanDuel. Lauren's on FanDuel. Uh, we have listener leagues coming up for week one. If you go to FanDuel.com slash Red Sox beat, you can play against the three of us on FanDuel, which is awesome. And guys, everyone loves fantasy football. No matter who you are, I know... I have friends, fiancés, who are playing for the first time because they feel like they have to. Like, it's just a huge deal, and, you know, FanDuel's a great way to do that. If you draft busts, if you draft, uh, if you get hurt in the first couple weeks, you know, it's a good way to get in there, win a couple extra bucks, and, hey, maybe even play against us, too. Yeah, seriously. Get engaged with us. Do some FanDuel. Season starts on Thursday, four days away from the Pats. No days off. Yeah, seriously. Raise that banner, baby. <laughs> Let's go. Thursday night. Um, and, hey, you can even play one-day fantasy just within that game. Right, That's the cool thing about it. You can pick players just off that Thursday night game and see and who picks the best players. If you know someone on the Chiefs that you like or the Patriots that you like that is going to play a lot that you might not as a sleeper, draft him on FanDuel and win some money at the process. Over 2.5 million players have won a cash prize playing fantasy sports on FanDuel. And sign up today. Go to FanDuel.com, click the Join Now button, and use our code REDSOXBEAT. You can try FanDuel for free with no deposit required. If you visit FanDuel.com, go claim your free contest and play for a share of $10,000 week one. Just sign up using our code REDSOXBEAT. That's FanDuel.com, promo code REDSOXBEAT. Of course, void where prohibited. FanDuel's phenomenal. I love it. Like I said, go to Red Sox uh, beat specific page as well. It's FanDuel.com backslash Red Sox beat. Uh, cool listener league. Get $1 entry and you got, you can take down me and Jess and Lauren. Uh, we'll be in there playing fantasy FanDuel with you guys as well. I had like four fantasy football drafts. So I'm a nut as it is. Um, and I love <laughs> doing that kind of stuff. So it's, FanDuel's a nice touch for it. But um, So definitely check them out. And it's obviously exciting football's back. So, But I wanted to talk about this. And this is something that has been pressing and it's been brought up across the city here too, just on both stations and everywhere is Chris sale because yeah, he pitched well against Toronto, but he you know he's been throwing up a stinker against the Indians. He just threw up a stinker tonight against the Yankees. And I didn't even realize this. And like, I had an idea of it, but you go back and look at Chris Hale, Chris sales performance later in the season throughout his career, August and September, not his best friend. And you know, I'm not here to, crap on Chris Sale because he's a Cy Young winner, he, a potential Cy Young winner. Like, he's a guy that I want playoff game, game one regardless. But there is a correlation of what he's doing now and what he's done this time of the year throughout his career. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that's the show. Jess's reaction. Yeah. Chris Sale. Yeah, no, it's you're right. It is. It has been a problem, and he's never pitched in the playoffs before, so that's another thing. It's, does it, so does it keep problem. going? Like <laughs> Right. In October, does it keep going downhill, or does it switch back up? I don't know. I mean, it's hard to know. He's pitched in the league for seven years, so we've had a pretty pretty good sample size, obviously, with the playoffs aside. But, I mean, yeah, I don't like it because, like you said, Cy Young candidate, and it was pretty much guaranteed he was going to get the Cy Young, you know, three weeks ago. And now, who knows? Doubt's creeping in. He probably, <laughs> he probably still will get it, but it's not as sure of a thing because, as I just saw somebody post, um, his ERA is four point five seven since August first. Yep, that's not good. That's a month, and that's a high ERA. As a result, you know his numbers aren't as good anymore. You know he gave up seven runs against Cleveland. He gave up four runs against the Yankees, and then six runs earned against Cleveland. 
And now again, three tonight against the Yankees on three home runs. So it's all against the Yankees and the and the Indians. But unfortunately, those are better teams and those are playoff teams, and that's who you're going to be playing in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. So is it just those two teams, or is this going to happen against all playoff teams, or is this just a blip? I don't want to say that it's going to happen because I love the guy and he's been incredible for the city and he's had an insane season, but. He hasn't pitched well against good teams, and that's scary. No, and I and I believe the correlation. Like it's it's a huge sample size. It's this time of year he struggles, and my fear is what happens come October because a lot of people have talked about it. And what I've read is it's not even as much a mental thing because the guy's a psychopath in a good way. It's wear and tear. He pitches so much, he throws so many strikes, and he does has so many strikeouts that it's the wear and tear of his fatigue and his stamina, and it's. And he's talked about it himself, too. He's like, you know, I need to focus on pitching. I need to throw less pitches. I need to be in there longer but still throw less. Maybe I take less strikeouts and pitch for contact. And I'm like, how you can't fix that overnight. And that's the problem. It's not something you fix overnight because he's been getting strikeouts galore still. And now it's at the point where you're not going to skip a start because you need him to win. But even if he does start to pick it up in September, what happens in October when now you might have to make – Pitch him on short days rest. You might have to do this now. When you how you finagle rotations in the playoffs, then what do you get out of him? He's never pitched in the playoffs as it is. Put the fatigue on top of it and his history this time of year. Don't know what to believe. Right, because if you're if you're talking a month ago and you're saying, "Oh, you get him in three games," you know, maybe one game on short rest in a playoff series, yep. in a seven game playoff series. A month ago, you'd say automatic three wins because he's been lights out all season. But now we've seen a little bit and. Maybe you're not feeling 100% confident in that, which is concerning. I mean, I don't know. I still obviously would feel good with him because of how good he is, period. But I mean, you, you have, have to feel to, good with him. You have to you, you you give him the game one ball regardless of what he does. But it's just right because of the talent. But it's just a matter of, okay, but can you please figure it out? Right, and he goes, he goes and pitches game one in a five-game series, right? The first series. He loses it. Yeah, what if he then, throws up a stinker? Like, right. Then you're completely 100% relying on Pomerantz because you don't want to go down 2 nothing in a five-game series. What if he loses? Well, then, yeah, you still have Porcello and Fister, but it's like now you have to win all those games no matter what. And what if you lose the division? More. Like, you know, we're not going to do it. Like, I don't think it's going to happen, but what if you do lose the division somehow? You know, it's only three and a half games now. So if you do lose the division and he's pitching, a, a, wild card he's pitching a wild card playing game, then what happens? He then if he does he lose, he's a clunker. You're done. You're going home. You're done, right? And whoever thought you'd go home on a Chris Sale yeah. one game playoff so, like, start? It, it's a, I think it's a serious issue. I hate issue. this. I yeah. hate this. I like, hate this. I, had, I hate to put this in your head, but like it's a serious issue because oh, I was thinking about it. I just yeah. don't like talking about you know, it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a serious thing because it's not just this year. It's not like it's been oh well he's pitched well and or you could chalk it up to being on a bad team because he's had a really good career being in Chicago even on the bad teams they've had. Now it turns into okay, what needs to be happen to get him out of his own head in August and September? And maybe it's just August this year, and maybe they figure it out because he's pitching for something in September, and that's why. Because, you know, in his defense on a bad team in August and September, you might not try as hard. You might not want to pitch as well because your your team's in last place and you're, you're eyeing the offseason, you're eyeing um, time off or whatever he does during the offseason, you know? so But this time of year, you're, you're in a pennant race. You're pitching for first place still in a rivalry against the Yankees. Sunday night baseball after a good start in Toronto and you comes in and throws a clunker. I'm not saying he's David Price by any means because he's not mentally weak, but 
I don't know what's going on with him, and I don't know what was happening his entire career, but I'm very much concerned about Corsale throughout the rest of the regular season. Well, yeah, that's the thing, too. It's like, these are the big games. Like we said, we were talking about this game tonight. Difference between five and a half games and three and a half games. That's huge. He knew He knew that. He lost the first two out of three. This is the game you need to win. You got your best pitcher on the mound. Yep. You, you leave You leave town with a five and a half game lead on September 4th. And you lose. And you it's lose. a big game. And yep. you didn't pitch well. Again, against the Yankees. Against the potential playoff team yep. so that's concerning it's like it's not like you just went out and played some garbage team or you're not in a pennant race and you don't care like this was a huge game this is a game he needed to pitch well he needed to win and he didn't no so it, it's concerning yeah because that's the pressure you're gonna face playoff time even end of september if you're still pitching for first place by then if it's not wrapped up you know that houston series will probably end up pitching in because it's a three-game series so i don't know i look at it as it's a wait and see situation for the rest of September, um, but if the next couple starts, you know we start. We're sitting here on Red Sox beat next week, the week after, talking about Chris Sale still having this problem. Then you roll back and look at it as: Are you giving him the ball game one? What's going on? Uh, maybe it is. It is a trend. It's his career thing, and now you're overly concerned about who you can trust come playoff time because none of these guys in the rotation have really been successful in the postseason as it is. If even if they even sniffed a playoff game, so. Right, they've either not been good or haven't pitched. Oh, never period. pitched in it. So, um, right. it, it's scary because now who do you trust? Right, I don't because you. I don't hundred percent trust trust Chris Sale right now as much as I want to because of the talent level and that makes me feel okay with him pitching. I don't trust him right now. I don't. I don't trust Erod right now. I don't trust Porcello right now. I trust maybe Drew Pomeranz, and that's it. Like, right, and he isn't pitching the playoffs either. So yeah. So what do you do at that point? Yeah, right. Well, it's, it's it's just it's so weird with Sale because like we saw he threw a, a seven inning, eleven strikeout, no run performance just a few days ago against Toronto, and it's like he might go out, you know, for the next couple of starts and win, and pitch really well against bad teams because a lot of bad teams coming up on the schedule, but then he still had that four game sample size of two against New York and two against Cleveland where he did poorly in all four of those games. Yeah. So it's like, do you think about every start as a whole, or do you just think about against poorer teams against good teams and it's you know against when you're playing in the playoffs you're gonna be playing against good teams yeah so the bad teams don't really matter anymore it's good to get those wins it's good to pitch well but everyone's watching you against good teams yeah that's what he's been pitching poorly against so it's hard to know how to judge it but that's kind of how you have to at this point exactly and you know you've had situations where you know doug fister another good start this week right talked about it a little bit in the recap uh i don't know i I don't we've talked about him almost every week now but like you don't know if you can trust him long-term, short-term. Um, he's been here and there. He's had a good, decent career, but, you know, he's hit or miss, and now you hope he's kind of reliable. You don't know when you're going to get out of David Price when, if he even comes back. Uh, he might just be in a bullpen role when he comes back from that injury. So as much as you like the rotation, you know there are a lot of question marks of who you can trust late season, you know, whether it gets colder, pressure mounts a little bit more, and see what these guys can do uh, once the uh, dog days of the summer are passing them. And they're looking at some serious time where they're competing for, you know, TV time with football. They're in October, cold baseball weather. Um, there's a lot going on for this rotation. And it might not even all be a good thing. So I'll have to wait and see there. But um, one thing that is intriguing to me is the way this offense is going to handle the pressure. Because as the pitching rotation is starting to get a feel for, now who are we? Who, who do we? who are we want to be in this really hardcore situation where... We're fighting first place. We're doing this. We're doing that. Who do we want to be as an offense? 
Hanley got dropped in the batting order. He's starting to hit the crap out of the ball again. Maybe you can race him up. But then I want to talk about this. Xander Bogarts and Mookie Betts. You know, you have guys like Devers hitting well. Nunez has been there since he started. Uh, Benny's figured it out again. Benny Biceps was hitting the crap out of the ball. You just got AL player of the rookies. month for rookies. Yep, so that's huge. He's He was in a slump a little bit, figured it out. Xander Bogarts and Mookie Betts. You know, Bogarts has been struggling for a little bit here, but Mookie Betts even. What is going on, Jess, with these two guys? Because if you're going to do anything, if you want any help with the rotation and what they might need help with, you know, getting some run support, those two guys are key cogs to what you can do moving forward. And you have Petroya back, yes, but both those guys are just as important. Yeah, call me crazy, but I'm a little more worried about bets, which might seem stupid, but I'll explain why. Um, Bogarts, his downfall kind of came after he got hit in the hand with that by that pitch a couple months ago. That's yeah. when he started his downslide. Yeah. So I think his is partly injury. I think he's it's definitely also not 100%, like, by the way. I don't think Xander no. Bogarts is definitely not 100%. I don't think he is either. And, it, you know, between the hand injury and he played basically every day for like ever, like he never got days off for quite a while. Yeah, that comes back to haunt you, and it's crazy because everyone's just ready to jump off the bandwagon and just say, "Screw this guy! I don't want him anymore." Because his average is down to two seventy, and it's like, well, I don't think he's healthy, and he's played too much, and he needs more days off. So, I'm concerned about him because obviously he hasn't played well. But I think that time off and healing his injuries will make him better. But with Betts, yes, I know he plays all the time as well, and that probably comes back and makes you a little bit tired. But there's no known injury for Betts, you know, besides that knee thing that he didn't even miss a game for when he ran into the wall. Yeah. But this this went this went long before that. He wasn't playing well before that. And his numbers are still good this season. You know, he's still got the most RBI in the team. You know, he's got a ton of doubles. I don't doubt any of that. He's played great defense. He's still been valuable, but he hasn't hit a home run in a month. His average is in the 260s. His numbers aren't anywhere close to last year, which I didn't expect them to be. I said at the beginning of the year, no, last year was crazy. Off. Yeah, last year was ridiculous. Yeah. He set a really high standard for himself, which is good. Was good for the team last year, but it's probably not good for him because now everyone expects him to be that good. Exactly. Yeah. So with no known injury and not hitting a home run in a month, he's not really making a huge impact on offense in big moments at all. So I'm a little more concerned about him. Call me crazy, but. I'm, I don't like that. No, I don't, I don't think you're crazy. I, I kind of agree with you because as much as I, you know, everyone on the show, everyone who listens to the show or knows me knows I love Xander Bogarts as a player, and I still do. You know, I am I am convinced he's hurt. I think it's not it's a no-brainer to know he is hurt. So looking at Mookie Betts, I don't know what's going on, and I, I think he will snap out of it. I think he's too good of a player to not snap out of it, but um, I don't think there's any injury involved. I just think something's going on where he's a little off right now, and, and maybe, you know, he can go knock and see what's going on, what, what Andrew Benintendi did to, to get out of his slump, because he, he did something, and it worked, and he's been hitting the crap out of the ball lately, and I think you just need Mookie to keep being, you know, Mookie, you know, be a leader in the clubhouse, take control of the base pass, be a good defender, and, you know, eventually his time will come to get out of this. It's, it's kind of how slumps work in this league. It's The great players can lead and do other things while their bat is cold. Right, we saw it with Ortiz. You know, he is when he couldn't hit, when he wasn't hitting well, he was still a leader off the field. Um, we saw it with Manny Ramirez. As much of his defense was a meh liability when he was in left field, he still did things out there and helped. You know, keep energy there when he wasn't hitting the ball well. And everybody who's ever played, who's been good, it's how can you be a leader? How can you take control of other games? Games another way. Look at Pedroia, for instance. Pedroia is not playing every day now. Right, he's not going to play every day at least until the playoffs. Um, his bat has been, it was better as of late. And that being said, 
every time he's on the field, you know his defense is going to take care of itself. Regardless of how hurt he is, he's going to play defense. Mookie Best needs to find that thing that he can do right regardless, which I think right now is his defense and base running to, until the bat comes back. Because I think he's too good of a player for the bat not to come back. I think so too. But, you know, you look at his numbers. I'm looking at him currently. He has two RBI since August 18th. Two RBI. No home runs. Two RBI. He's got, you know, his doubles are still there a little bit because he has a lot of doubles. He's had four since that point. Yeah. But that's two and that's two and a half, three weeks with two RBI and no home runs. He just gets, you know, one hit here and there, a couple of couple of over games. It's just like he just kind of seems like he's just showing up at the plate and whatever happens, happens. I don't know if he's not focused because it's a long season and he has so much expectations after last year. I'm not sure what the issue is. Which is also another like, concern if that's the case because if you're not focused this time of year, we have another problem. <laughs> right, what are, you, what are you waiting for, right? Yeah, seriously, <laughs> like we got another problem. You can't focus this part when you're actually a good team. It's one thing if you're the Phillies – you know, if you're the Rockies, like, you're not a good team. I get it. Um, I mean, the Rockies. But, you know, it's one thing if you're the Phillies or anything like that. I get it. You're not a good team. You want to go home. But you're on the Red Sox. You're playing for the Teammate going place. home. Yeah. If, right? if, you, if you can't figure it out, then maybe you got to put someone else in there. Uh, but I don't think that's the case. Right. I, don't, I don't think that's it. But because of how well he played last year. But that being said, maybe it was a one-year thing, which, which also could scare you, too. But... Um, what a weird, what a weird show. We're like talking negatively about the two of the best players on the team. I know, Chris seriously, Sale and Mookie Betts. seriously, and, and they're not, they're not like, getting it done. Like, look, Chris Sale just had fifteen hundred strikeouts in his career. Like, I know we didn't even mention that fastest Shoot. pitcher ever to get to fifteen hundred strikeouts of a career, Incredible. and didn't even talk about it because of how bad he's been pitching. Like, it's a concern, and you give him credit for that, obviously, and that's how dominant he's been. But you know, maybe the the, the trend, and this is me just spitball and maybe the trend of 50, the fastest person to 1500 strikeouts is half the reason why his stamina is terrible to get into the lane of the season because he has so many strikeouts and he's doing it so quickly every year he can't get consistently into the end of the season oh you got a great point the strikeout pitchers don't last as long in games they don't last as long really period because it takes a lot of effort to get strikeouts you have to get three pitches per at bat a minimum of three pitches Instead of being like a ground ball pitcher like Porcello, and you can get three outs on three pitches, ground ball, ground ball, ground ball, that's yep. that. Yep. So it is. It's Strikeouts are fun to watch. They're fun for fans. They're, it's fun to strike guys out and be a great strikeout pitcher, but you might not last as long in your career. You don't last as long in games. You know, He hasn't pitched a complete game all year. He's pitched deep into games almost every single Can't time. Get the whole game. Can't get through the whole never, game, though. He never gets nine innings and rarely gets eight innings. So it's like it's great, but it's also not. I almost rather just have some ground outs and you know be able to pitch longer. And that's the compromise he's talked about. It's do you take some pitches back? Do you try to pitch to contact to let him get some to take the pitch count down? And it never will happen. He's a strikeout guy, but you right, know, can he even help it. He's just he, so good. At, he's just at so striking. good. And, and it's the arm slot. It, it's everything, and that's a concern. You know, first to fifteen hundred, can you last the season? Mookie Betts hits the crap out of the ball, has an MVP type season, should have won the MVP last year. Now. Can you consistently do it again through the entire season when you are on a good team and you have teammates around you who are hitting well? You know, Devers, can he keep it up? Nunez's question marks obviously hasn't been phenomenal, but can these guys Bo- keep Bo- it up? Bogarts has been super up and down his career. Yeah, so can these guys keep it up until these guys figure it out? Are they going to figure it out? Can Pedroia play every day? A lot of question marks, and it's a good show for Laura not to be on because she might be hyperventilating if we're talking about this with her on the show. <laughs> but like, can like there are a lot of question marks around this team still, in my eyes at least. 
even though they're in first place and speaks to partially the division, speaks to the AL as a whole, but there are some big question marks still coming into the last month of the regular season. The weather's getting colder and still some questions I need answered before the playoffs start. Man, baseball, it's crazy. It's just crazy how much how thing how fast things change. You know, you had a great beginning of August, you won, you know, like fifteen of the first nineteen games in August. Then you go in a four game losing streak, everybody goes nuts. Then you win the next three games, you're right back in there, and then you go right back down in the losing streak. It's like it's so it's such a streaky game, and it's just with games every day and stuff. It's just man, you never know. It's hard to make predictions about this stuff because everything changes so quickly. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. And one thing that um, want to get your take on here and make kind of make a prediction moving forward outside of the Red Sox world is the Houston Astros. Right, everything that's going on in Houston right now, obviously outside of outside of baseball, outside of sports, there's a lot going on down there. Uh, teams doing their best to kind of take over what they can and kind of prevent a distraction and um, prevent any more, you know, mental damage. They're trying to have a distraction there. And Astros just traded for Justin Verlander uh, a couple days ago. It was just yesterday even. So, look, Justin Verlander was going to be out of Detroit at some point, right? That cesspool of a town. Um, there, he, He's finally out of Detroit. Obviously, so long. obviously huge for him. He had a great career in Detroit. Never won anything, though. I saw someone tweeted on, I forget who it was, um, saying, you know, love the Red Sox, but if we weren't to win the World Series, love to see Houston do it just because of what is going on down there with the hurricane and everything. But Justin Verlander adding to the Houston Astros, that's a big addition for them. You know, they're acing, they're acing a hole. Keuchel, he was, he was saying um, at the deadline, they, he was mad they weren't doing anything, right? He was pissed that they didn't do anything. And, you know, they probably should have gotten Verlander at the deadline, to be 100% honest, but they didn't. They didn't do it. They just got him, and makes him, he's been having a pretty good year. He makes them a lot better. Yeah, he was struggled a couple of years ago. People wonder if he was done, and then he came back this year, and he was really good for most of the season. So, yeah, of course, it's a good move. It makes him better, no doubt. They already have a great team. They already have the best record in the American League. They have a great offense. Their pitching's pretty solid, too. Not as good as their offense, but it's still good. So and yeah, I mean, you look at the you look at the trends in the history. I don't know if this is coincidence or if it's like fate or what. But when you know when when cities get bashed by something, teams win championships. Boston Marathon Crazy. 2013, Sox won. Hurricane Katrina, New Orleans Saints won. Like it, it's happened like several times. It's almost creepy. It, it, it makes sense. You play for that situation, and I hate to right. bring this up, but I saw a meme. Um, there was a relation, not baseball related, I hate to say this here, but Chris Paul, um, now of the Houston Rockets, there was a meme about all, every team he played for when he got put there, there was a disaster. Like when he, he got drafted by New Orleans, Katrina happened, and then he went to his next team and another disaster happened in that next town. And then he just got to Houston and this hurricane happened. <laughs> and you feel so bad because it's so funny. Um, but, you know, it is crazy how teams rally around disasters. Um, you know and they're already the best team in the American League, and this just happened. So and this like, just happened. So are, they like, the, are they the team? Is, is is this the team that deserves to win the World Series? Probably they're the best team. Obviously, I want the Red Sox to win, but if the Red Sox don't do it, I, you got to bet. I'm betting for Houston. I'm rooting for Houston. Um, is this gonna is this gonna be an Astros Dodgers World Series, and the Dodgers are gonna be like 20 games better because they're insane, and, and Houston, Houston wins, wins it, and Houston wins it? Wouldn't right. surprise me. Their um, first World Series ever. Yeah, it would be. It so. would be. It, it, it's all. It's all lining up, Jess. It really is. And I hope it doesn't happen. But it's that's how things work. That's how I mean, destiny works. <laughs> the only way I wouldn't want it to happen is if the Red Sox were still in it. Um, but other than that, 
I would root for Houston. They would be my second team this year because of what's going on. You have to. It's a it's a lovable story. It's something that you want to root for. And I really just don't want to see the Dodgers win. So if it was Houston or LA at that point, I'm rooting for Houston either way because the Dodgers are just too good. It's bad. We're, it's, we're rooting against Dave Roberts and Terry Francona. What's wrong with us? Yes, yes. <laughs> we really don't believe in the Red Sox. Um, okay, so before we get out of here for the week, we do have baseball games this week. Uh, three against Toronto again. Three against Tampa Bay. I almost wanted all to home. pick I, all, all home. home, mind you, all at Fenway Park. Um, I really wanted to pick sweep the whole week, but I didn't. Um, start with the three games against Toronto at home, Jess. Um, another another three games against Toronto Blue Jays. You got to think, right? Yeah, you get six more games against the Blue Jays this year, which is obviously a good thing because the Sox are ten and three against the Blue Jays this year, which is really good. You know, they've been a thorn in the side for several years, but not this year. They're just not good, and the Sox have their number. So I didn't pick a sweep last time, and they did. And now they're home, and they still suck. So I'm picking a sweep. <laughs> I'm going to do what I didn't do last week, and now they'll probably not sweep. But I'm saying sweep. Yeah, I'm, I don't blame you. Uh, I'm going to go two out of three. I, I, it's hard for me to pick a sweep against this team. I don't know why, um, because they really aren't that good. And, you know, they handed you one of those games with the amount of errors they had in that one inning. Um, but I have them winning two out of three still against Toronto, which is fine. Um, and then after that, you know, you move into three games against Tampa Bay. I don't know why, but I do have them sweeping Tampa Bay. I think if you lose two out of three against Toronto, I mean, you win two out of three against Toronto, you probably think you should sweep them. And Tampa comes into town. Tampa really isn't a good team, and they had some hope early in the year. I, I think, honestly... Tampa and Toronto are a lot closer than people think in terms of talent level. Um, but I have them sweeping Tampa Bay overall going 5-1 and one, um, for the week, which is phenomenal. If they can go 5-1 and one this week, you're good. Yeah, I'm going 5-1 and one also, which means I haven't taken two out of three from Tampa Bay. If you sweep Toronto, I don't think you're sweeping both. Something always seems to go wrong against Tampa Bay, except for that two-game sweep they had um, earlier in the month. but Or last month now at this point in August. But... I think two out of three is fair. You know, they're two games under five hundred. They're not really a good team either, like you said. But if you sweep Toronto, I don't think you're sweeping both. And I foresee something more wrong happening as Tampa than Toronto. But a five and one week could be great. Um, I think that we shouldn't want to expect anything less because they're both bad teams. The Sox are in first. They need to stay hold on to first. And after losing three out of four to the Yankees, it's a big every I know every week's big in September, but <laughs> it. It is a big week because you have six home games against teams that are at the bottom of the division. And you're and coming those, off a crappy series against the Yankees. <laughs> right. So these are games you need to win. Yeah. So I think anything less than 5-1, and one, I mean, obviously 4-2 and two is still a good week, no doubt. But 5-1 and one would be like really what you need. Yeah. And, it, and they, honestly, they could go 6-0. Like These are the two teams in your division that you should be able to walk in, especially at home. And beat them, right? right. You got Matt Barnes who can pitch lights out at home. Let him pitch this. Let, <laughs> let him pitch this week. He can come play. Um, you, you, and you have to play the Orioles too, and, who yeah. have had the Sox number, and they're actually like right there for the wild card. And you don't have to play them. That's yeah. just nice. So you're playing the two teams in the division that you know you can beat. So ultimately, we could be talking about a six and zero this time next week, which would be phenomenal. But um, there you go. Both Jess and I have them going five and one, just in opposite directions uh, this week. Tough week, obviously. To w- tough way to end the week this week getting smoked by the Yanks on Sunday Night Baseball. Um, but they have your number this year. Last time you'll face the Yankees. So now you you come into September. Weather's getting a little chillier. That much closer to Jess Thomas's wedding. Uh, <laughs> it, it's very exciting. Uh, and don't forget, of course, um, this show, as we leave, is, of course, brought to you by our good friends at FanDuel. Check out the uh, 
then you can win up to $1 billion in that fantastic contest. Week one football is here, guys. Put in the code Red Sox Beat. You play for free. Don't forget, check out fanduel.com backslash Red Sox Beat if you want to play in our listener league. We'll challenge this. Well, I'll challenge you. We all play fantasy football, so we'll get at it with you guys. Um, on Twitter, we're at Red Sox underscore Beat. Facebook, Red Sox Beat Podcast to keep up with all the news. We'll put the links up there for FanDuel as well. Uh, of course, Seelonis Media as a whole is on Twitter at Seelonis Media. Facebook, the same thing. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel for Seelonis Media, seeing the fact that we are now on video. As you can see, Jess Thomas flaunting his Red Sox jacket. Um, so subscribe to the YouTube <laughs> channel. Subscribe to us on iTunes as well. We love the reviews, the subscriptions to iTunes as well. Bring us up to the top as playoff baseball is around the corner. As news happens, we'll let you know. We'll talk about it every week. We'll get roundtables going. So uh, we're, bringing you the, we're bringing you the best coverage we possibly can here at Sealonis Media. Until next week, hopefully with the band back together, that is just Thomas. This is Jared Scali. This has been Red Sox Beat here on Sealonis Media.